Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. This year marks the 60th anniversary of the Beatles' first U.S. tour, and of course Chicago was one of the stops, so all month we're playing back some interviews we did in uh, London over the summer. Actually, this one is from Liverpool with... Bernadette and Mike Byrne, authors of the book The Birth of the Beatles Story, they run a museum in Liverpool, and it's called the Beatles Story Museum. It's... uh it's pretty it's pretty cool. They have replicas of the Abbey Road Studios and the Cavern Club in the museum. It's the world's largest permanent exhibition purely devoted to the lives and times of the Beatles. And as you'll hear in a minute, uh, Bernadette has a special personal connection to the band. I began our conversation asking Bernadette how she first met the Beatles and ended up going out with them. I met Paul because I was um, at the cabin one night with my friends and they gave us a lift home. We were walking up Matthew Street, which is a little narrow street, to catch our bus home. And he um, pulled over the car and said, did we want a lift? So we all said yes, of course. They dropped my two friends off first and I was at my house and about to get out and... um, John turned around and said, Paul will be around to pick you up tomorrow night at half past seven. And I went, oh, oh," (laughs) you know, shocked. I said, that's no good. I don't finish work till six. (laughs) Which John said, well, he's not asking you to marry him. (laughs) So anyway, Paul obviously was a little embarrassed too. And he got out and walked me to the door and we made arrangements, you know. So uh, I only went out with Paul once, I think, because it was pretty frightening or horrendous. Because when you went out with the Beatle in those days, uh, cinema or wherever there was girls everywhere and you know they talk about girls saying they'll scratch your eyes out I did get some nasty letters from a couple of fans who said my friend's jealous of you blah 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 because you went out with Paul anyway um, another few months later I think it was I got a note through my front door which is actually on display here at the cabin. I don't know if you saw it or not. Little pink tatty note. And it was saying from George asking me would I ring him. When we used to go to the cabin, sometimes they would drive past where we waited for our buses. So I'd had a couple of lifts off George home. But I uh, hadn't been out with him, you know. Anyway, he um, put this note through the door. Would I ring him? Which I did. And we went out. And, well, he, I carried on going out with him for a bit longer, really. Well, about, probably about six months. But Beatlemania was just beginning. It was pretty horrific really it wasn't that pleasant to go out with a beetle in those days because there was always the fans hanging around and George actually used to get a bit irate when you know he'd have his head down he'd try to pretend he wasn't there as it were and you know you'd go to the cinema and suddenly there'd be a group of girls waiting for him as he came out and he'd sort of rush down the steps of the cinema and into the car and um, one occasion he was at a concert and I'd been there with his mum and uh, we were waiting in the car outside for him to come and drive us home as it were and the fans he came out the stage door ran to get in the car the fans were following him you know if you've seen these films like they're hordes of animals really wanting autographs or wanting to touch him and um, he jumped in the car as it was moving practically uh, Tony Bramwell was his kind of gopher in those days he had the car engine running and George jumped in and 
banged the car door on his guitar arm, which he wasn't very happy about, so I think his language was a bit choice that night. But uh, anyway, he recovered, and so it just went on a few more months, and they were away a lot, so I didn't see that much of him. But uh, it was it was really interesting, exciting time, because he used to bring albums that he got from America when he was there and play them. And In fact, he went, I think we put it in the book, I'm not sure, but he went to play, um, he brought his silver disc to show us when he got the first silver disc. And uh, my mum said, oh, can we play it? You know, not realising they weren't meant to be played. But, um, yeah, he, he was just normal, a normal lad. It was a normal day, you know, and it was just very nice. And then gradually they just got more and more famous and they went down to London, which I wasn't prepared to follow, but a lot of girls did. A lot of the mm-hmm. fans followed them down to London. But as you could, you probably read in the books, you know, how Apple became the place for all the, the Apple scrubs, I think. I think it was George that christened them that, actually. But um, we kind of lost touch. Um, it was just... Oh, I did, we bumped into him. I bumped into him after after I'd met Mike, which was probably a couple of years later, wasn't it? And I did ask a very silly question. I asked, I bumped into him when he was with Mal, walking down a back street in Liverpool. Mal Evans, the road manager. That's right, yeah. And I did say to him, what are you doing now? And <laughs> as Mike reminded me, they'd just appeared to, were they being on the Ed Sullivan show or something? Anyway, bit of a stupid question, really. All I was very worried about was I was wearing a silly hat. or We used to wear bonnets in those days with, like, ears on it. And all I was thinking was, oh, I feel ashamed, you know, in this hat. So, but um, well, I think we did meet up again, didn't we? Later, no. When we when he'd gone into his Indian mode and he was appearing with the Delaney and Bonnie tour, and we were having a drink behind the theatre, and he um, he came in, in in a white robe, which was really weird and beard, and he just didn't look like the George I'd known, you know. But he just sort of summoned me over like this. And I was sitting amongst all the uh, Maharishi gang and sitting there like a lemon. I felt really stupid and in the end I was going to Mike giving him the eye, give me the eye to go you know, I didn't know what to say and then of course the, the next thing I heard what had happened and he, he passed away. So you didn't keep in touch with Paul as much as you did with George? No, well, not really, I mean I did meet up with Paul a few times, when he opened Lipper I met him then didn't I? And um, When he opened the, the stadium, the theatre school the theatre school that he supports. That's right that's one he supports. Did he remember you? Uh, yeah he did, yeah they used to call me Bernie Depp for some reason in those days so he was very welcoming wasn't he he was like hi Bernie Depp you know but um yeah, I had some nice pictures taken with him then, and we met him a couple of times, I think, didn't we? Uh, one time, the last time, I think, was when he was with Heather, so I don't think we could put that photograph out. I don't know whether that should go on or not. <laughs> and, Mike, were you, during all these times that Bernadette was carrying on with the Beatles, were you playing with a band? Yeah, I was playing with a band called Mike and the Thunderbirds, which then turned into my professional band, Them Grimbles. Were you playing in Liverpool mostly? Oh, oh yeah, all the bands, all the bands, 350 of them, were playing in the Liverpool area. We weren't going any further than Chester or Warrington. We weren't going out because there were so many clubs in Liverpool. So we all played in the Liverpool area from 1960, 1961, 1962. Yeah, and then my first professional group was called Them Grimbles. I went to Germany and I played five hours, six hours a night. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And so that was 1964 and by that time of course the 
Beatles had left Liverpool and I still didn't know Bernadette at that time so I was just one of the, one of these hundreds of groups you know thinking oh I'm going to be famous or I'm going to get a recording contract and eventually we got a recording contract with another band I was with called the Roadrunners and we did Switzerland and Germany again it was just an exciting time did um, you did you play the Cavern Club oh yeah I played the Cavern Club with uh, Mike and the Thunderbirds with the Grimbles and the Roadrunners what, were, what was it like because we see the pictures we see the old films it just looks like a tiny sweaty place yeah what it was what, let's put it in perspective it's 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 a warehouse in a, a, a city street a little street which was the known as the fruit business fruit exchange business yeah and this guy who opened the cavern was a jazz fan and he opened it in 1957 as a jazz club and it slowly morphed from being jazz into skiffle into rock and roll about 1959 so then 1959 the Beatles started playing there and then 1960 all the other groups started playing there but the great thing for me was before I turned professional I worked for my dad in a shop a hundred yards from the cavern so when they started the lunchtime sessions where was I every lunchtime? Down in the cavern. And so one day you would see the Beatles, the next day Jerry and the Pacemakers, the next day the Searchers, the Blue Jeans, the Mersey Beats, all the big groups in Liverpool did the lunchtime sessions. The atmosphere was electric. As you walked up Matthew, well, I walked down Matthew Street, Bernadette walked up Matthew Street, <laughs> but I walked down Matthew Street, and you could kind of see this haze coming out of the cavern door and it was like a mixture of five different smells mm -hmm. the toilets <laughs> smoke hot dogs mm. sweat and the disinfectant they threw on it to try and kill all those other smells. Bernadette, that's a great photograph of you at the Cavern Club. How many times were you there? Oh, as often as possible. But uh, in fact, we didn't know any of those photographs were being taken until many years later when we saw them in a book. And said, oh gosh, you know, yeah, all the fans in those days had their kind of favorite seats. So a person who could get there the first would put their coats on all the other seats and keep it for their friends. So my friend and I always seemed to or tried to get into the left-hand side of the stage there and it was quite funny really we'd say uh, we'd watch the Beatles feet because we were practically at foot level and it was either I can't even remember which one it was now one of them tapped the toes the other one the heel you know <laughs> we'd be saying but it was just so normal it seemed in those days didn't it it was just uh, you didn't notice the smells um, you'd come out looking a bit bedraggled I mean we used to use hair lacquer a lot in those days I was a hair, apprentice hairdresser and hair lacquer glued your hair literally into place so that hairstyle I had had been used by my boss he wanted a photograph to put outside his salon and so he sent he had my, one of the older girls do my hair sent me to a professional photographer to take the picture which was stuck outside it was later used in the Mersey Beat magazine Bill Harry used it and called it the face of beauty <laughs> and one day George came home earlier from where he was supposed to be coming and I was at home getting my rollers in and all dressed up waiting for him to come he knocked on the door my brother brought him straight into the room and I just looked at him and thought oh my god got my hair in rollers and he just laughed and he said so this is the face of beauty <laughs> so, did you see many other bands other than the Beatles yeah of course 
course, well, well, when the Beatles were on, we could, you know, we could see the, um, the well, not so much the Roadrunners, saw those many years later, but uh, Jerry and the Pacemakers, the Searchers. But if every sort of fan that went there really went to see the Beatles, and fine, if you got a good show from somebody else, you were quite happy. But uh, I only really went down there when they were on. Um, what, what made them different from all the other bands? What was special about them? Maybe the kind of music. I actually saw the Beatles first play, not at the Cavern, at a place out of Liverpool, a, a very rough area in the city called Hambleton Hall. And we used to, a lot of people were fans of Elvis Presley. In England, we had Cliff Richard. We were fans of, of a guy called Eddie Cochran, who everyone know died quite young. This particular band, anyway, used to take off Elvis, Farron's Flamingos. I don't know if you've seen pictures of them. And he wore this white suit, and they took Elvis off, as it were. And so we'd heard they were playing at this hall, a little way out of town. And it was a place we'd been warned not to go to by our parents because it was considered rough, you know. Anyway, we did. We sneaked off, got the bus, and took our um, bags and everything with us. When we got there, Hamilton Hall, it was packed full, and we thought, what's, what's going on here? You know, somebody... Anyway, we managed to push our way to the front somehow. Oh, before that, we'd hung our coats in the cloakroom. They had, like, a, a ladies' room and a toilet all together. And we pushed our way to the front of the crowd, and the end of the night, we watched... I think Jerry was on, Jerry and the Pacemakers, Farrell's Flamingos, and this group called the Beatles, who we'd never seen before. And they were so different when they came on. Uh, they had the cowboy boots on and the leather trousers, and except Stuart. Stuart Sutcliffe was with them, and he was at the back with his head down he didn't uh, he had dark glasses on and we thought wow these are really different you know and that's um really a fantastic we've got to go and see them again you know and afterwards we started going to the cavern wow. it had an unfortunate end to the evening though because um they'd opened or somebody had wrecked the bowl wash bowls in the toilets my friend had had her coat stolen and uh, we were standing outside crying how were we going to tell our parents you shouldn't listen to your parents now the genesis of the museum and how you started that when did you start this and how did that come about well, after the Beatles left and they split up in the 1970s, of course, it went quiet and Liverpool was quiet and was quite run down Liverpool. And then in 1980, of course, John Lennon was murdered and it was like the shock to the world. And um, a little trickle of people started coming to Liverpool, like as a pilgrimage, you know, to see where is this place, Liverpool, that the Beatles came from and John Lennon came from. And so they would come, they would look for strawberry fields and Penny Lane and there was nothing else really and then in 84 a development opened called Cavern Walks and they rebuilt a cavern underneath it which is not in the same place as the original and it's lower down and it's not the same In 90, oh, and the year before the tourism board looked for beetle guides Bernadette said, I can do that, you know. Our children had grown up a bit, so she was looking for a job. And so she said, I can be a beetle guide. I, I was there, you know. So she became a beetle guide. I was still singing, and I was in cabaret and theatre. And she'd come home saying, I've had Americans today, and there's Japanese in town. And so by an accident, we ended up in America with this a beetle museum, which wasn't a success in Liverpool. It opened up, it was the wrong place, it was the wrong time. It was called Beetle City. It's here, all, it was here? It, it was in Liverpool, not here, but, you know, not far. But in the wrong place, wrong time. It's all in the book anyway. When you see it, you'll understand. We ended up taking that one to Dallas in Texas. 
of all places. We were there for three months. It was very successful. We weren't the owners. I was managing it. Bernadette was the star because she'd been out with George Harrison. <laughs> and Paul. Oh, and, and the other fella, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We came back and it, we went to the tourism board and said, look, it, that's not coming back. We need an exhibition. And the boss of the tourism said, uh, the Beatles are rubbish. What? Anyway, we went out and I did a feasibility study and a business plan and eventually said, why don't we do it ourselves? We had no money, but we went out and I raised £750,000 to build this. Yeah. So that's almost a, a mil, about a million dollars. It would be now, yeah, a million, yeah. And so we raised the money, we designed it together, Bernadette wrote the story, what we needed written, and we got really good designers down here, and we built it in two years. So it opened in 1990. How did you obtain some of the artifacts here? Well, the artifacts, if you look at it properly, the exhibition is not based on artifacts it's based on an experience so we're taking people back in time back to the Merseybeat office back to our little Hamburg the Star Club so it's it's more of a what they call today they call it an immersive experience I mean our strap line was see it hear it feel it and even smell <laughs> the old days so we've recreated Matthew Street and our cavern is very close to the original cavern and uh, so that's on the yellow submarine area the psychedelic it's to make people feel wow this is what it was like to be there mm. so we didn't need artifacts they came later thank you both uh, and the book is terrific and come to Chicago sometime a lot of Beatle fans there <laughs> I'd love to apparently you. well I went through the airport <laughs> thank you it's the world's largest permanent uh, exhibition purely devoted to the lives and times of the Beatles, the Beatles story in Liverpool. It was fun to uh, visit with the Burns, and we have more coming up next week celebrating 60 years of Beatlemania. And a little later on, I'll post a couple of great pictures of young Bernadette and young George at the cavern. I'll do that on uh, my ex-account and also on uh, Facebook.